Today's episode is brought to you by Plum Products. As a family-run business since 1988, Plum want play to inspire thinking, creativity, imagination, and most of all, to be fun. They understand the importance of play in childhood development. As a huge fan myself, they have an extensive range, including trampolines for all ages, swings and slides, climbing frames, and a variety of other outdoor and indoor toys. Plum Activity Toys are really designed to nurture curiosity and creativity in a safe environment, allowing children the freedom of play and you, the parent, peace of mind. So let the fun begin. For the full range, visit plumplay.com.au today. Hi there. How are you doing? Hope you're having an awesome day and thanks for joining us. You know, emotions really are the fuel to our thoughts and our actions. You know, how we feel helps form the lens in which we see the world around us and really gives credence to our individual point of view. You know, if our emotions have us, I guess, in a happy mood on any given day, even if it's cloudy, let's say, (laughs) we're going to feel positive and cheerful. Now, on the flip side of this, if our emotions have us feeling pessimistic, we are more likely to see the world around us unfavorably and maybe just a little bit gloomy. So, you know, from this perspective, how can we help our children best identify what they are feeling and really what does it mean? And how can we help educate them really to set them up for, I guess, any as much as possible success in their life. Well, lucky for us, um, our special guest is here today to help share her expert information and advice. Now, a little bit about our guest. Today, we are very excited to welcome Rachel Tomlinson, a registered psychologist, a mother, parenting expert, and author of two internationally published books. The first one is Teaching Kids to Be Kind. It's a parenting book focusing on how to encourage kindness and compassion in children. And the second, A Blue Kind of Day, it's a penguin book, is a picture book about the sensory experiences of depression in children. Now, Rachel is a sought-after expert for print and broadcast media on all kinds of topics as parenting, child development and relationships. And I'm so honoured to say she's one of our partners here at Kittypedia. Welcome, Rachel. How are you? Thank you so much for having me and such a lovely, warm introduction. (laughs) Well, it's a real honour to have you and uh, you've, you've really had some incredible experience in your life, which I'm really just going to expand on in, in just a minute. Um, really excited to chat to you about the topic of emotions and feelings, which is something that um, I don't think we can ever really speak about enough when it comes to children and, and helping them identify what they are. And of course, you know, emotional regulation is just such an important life tool for, for children to acquire and to understand, to help them understand where their feelings are on any given day, I guess, in any given situation. Um, and for us to be able to help them understand how they can maybe acquire the tools to get themselves out of any emotional wobbles or negative downward spirals. So I just wanted to maybe ask your your thoughts on this topic of emotional regulation and just children in in general, giving them the tools to understand what their feelings mean. What are your thoughts? Well, children are not born knowing what an emotion is or what it means for them. We have to teach them about their emotions in the same way that we teach them their ABCs and how we teach them counting. 
So it's every time we help them to make a connection with that sensation in your body or maybe those particular thoughts or that particular situation might be leading you to feel sad, angry, frustrated, upset, scared, whatever it might be. It helps them make sense of their inner world. When they can make sense of their inner world, they're not confused anymore, so they're more able to cope with different emotions. But it also helps them to become empathic because if they can understand how and why emotions come up they can also then better connect to other people and you know being kind and um compassionate is going to help them have you know much stronger more positive relationships as well so emotional regulation and identification are so key for kids yeah couldn't agree anymore now um as mentioned before i just want to preface some of the work you've done in your career which is really extraordinary. So, so far you've worked in a variety of different fields, including education settings, children's residential programs, uh, women, refugees, torture and trauma counselling and family support programs. Just incredible. Um, So, I mean, I'd love to know what have you personally uh, learnt the most from those experiences when it comes to the importance of emotional intelligence, especially when it comes to parents having emotional intelligence and what that means for them and how they parent their children? Yeah, I think one of the key things that parents will ask me about, doesn't matter sort of what setting it's been in, been in is they want to know that they're doing the best job that they can for their kid. They want their kid to grow up and be happy and I think when we talk about wanting to feel happy it kind of sets the idea that having those other feelings is maybe less than ideal and so parents and kids can naturally want to rush through unpleasant feelings like sadness or fear or anger and what happens then is you ignore the emotion which means you're ignoring the need that underpins it but then you're also sometimes developing different coping strategies to try and avoid having those feelings. So it's not really serving anyone or, you know, any kind of purpose to to do that. So I think the biggest message that I try to share with parents and children is it's okay to have those feelings and it's very important to acknowledge them because they help us get our needs met and they help us function. Yeah. You've presented... um throughout your career at uh, a lot of different national health conferences and delivered workshops and been a guest lecturer on topics such as trauma, play therapy and relationships. From your perspective, why is it important that parents, you know, find different ways to optimise just children's abilities just to express their feelings, I guess, to explore and just uh, resolve, I, I guess, any troubling thoughts? I'd love to know. I think it's important to give children lots of different coping strategies. I talk about them as um, tools in the tool chest um, because you have lots of um, issues that arise in adulthood from children who either didn't have their feelings validated or they didn't feel comfortable to express them or they avoided them. Um, And many of those issues that, you know, I present on as, you know, in adulthood, you know, can be, you know, remedied and supported if we were to look after kids, you know, when they when they were younger um, and if we taught them, you know, how to recognise emotions, cope with emotions and giving them lots of different tools for lots of different situations. So the way that we deal with anger might be different than sadness or the way we deal with um, worries and giving them that language and 
giving them, I guess, the, the tools will help them in all the different stages of life. Mm. And so sort of flowing on from that, giving them the tools in different situations in life. So, for example, we were going to sort of expand on to being maybe, say, kindness and compassion. Now, I just wanted to mention, that, of course, you've had experience working in education settings that I mentioned before. You've got your parenting book um, out, which is Teaching Kids to Be Kind, which I think that's the one I mentioned, which is internationally published. So flowing, flowing on, if I can get my words out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I would love to know, do you have any tips about how parents can encourage and inspire, let's say, kindness and compassion in children? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first part, as I mentioned, is that the child understands emotions because then they can not only regulate and manage their own emotions, which means they're less likely to sort of hurt other people. I don't necessarily mean like physically hurt, but even, you know, um, being selfish or unkind with your words, you know, can emotionally hurt people. So first of all, being able to own your own stuff and being able to manage and regulate is going to help you interact kindly with other people. But also understanding your emotions will definitely help you to, you know, create strong connections with other people by seeing how they're feeling and then responding appropriately. Um, specific tips can be, you know, expanding your child's circle of concern, which is, you know, everyone's a bit egocentric. Everyone is focused on themselves, essentially. Uh, we don't like to think it. Ego is a bit of a dirty word, but children in particular are quite focused on themselves. You know, we have the me, mine, now stage and things like that. So it's how do you get them thinking outside of, you know, themselves? And so it could be, you know, getting a particular interest. Do they love animals? Could they do some fundraising for, you know, a particular charity like doing a walk? Or could you donate some old towels or blankets to local animal shelter? Um, it could be even something fun and what you might not think of as, you know, a strategy, but getting them to plan movie night. So what they have to do is think about who's attending movie night and picking an appropriate movie so they're thinking about other people's concerns, getting them to pick the snacks so they've got to prepare well, what would, you know, mom or dad or brother or sister or auntie or whomever's there, what might they like? Um, and then setting up the room. So you're getting them to consider other people. And even simple things like tapping into their interests and just asking them more questions. So, for example, if they've got a favourite TV show, you can, you know, slip in some questions about feelings and go, oh, gosh, I wonder what's happening for that person. You know, how do you think they're feeling right now? And they're invested in the characters and they're involved. They'll, you know, be able to start, you know, building the blocks of empathy by you know, connecting and imagining why somebody else might be feeling a particular way. There's plenty more tips, obviously, but those are just a couple of really simple ones. Yeah, and I'm hearing, um, would, it, would it be right for me to say that empathy is at the core of all of those things? Because if, if a child must have empathy or learn what empathy is uh, and to be able to think of other people and their feelings and the importance, I guess, of acquiring that skill, what are your thoughts about that? Absolutely. There's, there's a difference between being nice and being empathic because sometimes to be an empathic person you might not always be seeing the thing saying the thing to please somebody else the purpose of being empathic is not to just say yes or be agreeable that's being nice um it's definitely about being able to see somebody else's experience understand it but then it's also how does that change how you relate to them and that empathy is so important because it helps 
you to take into consideration the needs of other people. And as I said, it builds better quality relationships. People are more likely to want to be friends with somebody who, you know, understands them. Um, that connection um, also, you know, gives us really positive feel goods, you know, in, in our brain and, you know, the hormones that are released when we have good, solid quality connections. So um, empathy is absolutely huge in emotional regulation and kindness and compassion. Love it. Now, I wanted to establish that we published your article titled Why It's Important Not to Rush and Fix Our Children's Feelings. Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and, of course, what inspired you to write it? Yeah, I think there's a very natural inclination for parents to want their kids to stop feeling sad, angry, worried. We love our babies. Even if they're like 47, they're still our babies. doesn't matter how old they get. And, of course, you don't want them to be in pain and you want to take that away from them. But what can accidentally happen is we can accidentally invalidate our children's feelings. So even though we're trying to rush them through it because we don't want them to feel yucky, what it accidentally tells them is that that feeling wasn't important or that it wasn't important to us. Um, and it also teaches them to be afraid of their feelings because if we're like rushing past it and trying to avoid it, well, then there's something that we need to be avoiding. There's something, you know, that we sh shouldn't be experiencing. And so what happens is it teaches kids to then be fearful about their emotions and they might then start developing other coping strategies to try and avoid their feelings, which is what we don't want. And so the, the purpose of the article is to sort of highlight it's normal. You're not being a bad parent if you're doing this. It is very normal. But what are some strategies to try and step away from that and to actually help your child be able to manage their feelings in healthy and adaptive ways? Yep. You know, it's so common, of course, you know, that parents will do everything in their power to protect their children from experiencing anything negative as much as possible from being upset or being distressed or having any discomfort whatsoever. But I'd love to know from your perspective, do you think there are any consequences, um, I guess, from protecting children from experiencing adversity? Yeah, <laughs> um, not intended. Most parents come at it from, you know, a, a position of like love and they want to spare their child those feelings. However, the big wide world out there is not always a nice fair place and if our children don't learn how to cope with those feelings and they don't learn the strategies to manage and get past it they have very low resilience and there will be a day where the parent can't change it stop it you can't avoid it and avoiding a feeling doesn't mean that it's not still happening but we also um, our children won't be getting their needs met if they're avoiding their feelings so a feeling is generally some kind of response to something happening in their environment and we need to pay attention to it so that we can respond to it accordingly and to meet those needs that are kind of pushing or driving that feeling so if we don't teach kids how to manage their feelings and understand them make sense of them cope with them they're also missing out on getting their needs met which can lead to other secondary issues like anger, frustration, um, irritability, um, picking up unhealthy coping strategies because they don't feel that their needs are being met or that people can meet their needs. It, it can lead to a whole, you know, raft of many other things if we don't learn how to, you know, accept and, and manage our emotions. 
So, so what I'm hearing, so it's important for um, for parents to enable children to be able to feel their feelings, to internalise them and identify what they are and what they mean, to be able to sort of say, okay, great, this is where I am on the emotional spectrum of being happy, um, to being completely joyful, to maybe being very, very upset, and how do I get myself out of any wobbles like I was saying earlier on? What's this feeling? And But actually feeling it, because if you don't feel it and identify it, you don't know how to fix it, would you say? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's it's that in a nutshell. If you don't know what it is, how can you possibly try to make it better? And we don't, I don't want people to think, okay, I found the feeling and now that's it, I can like fix it because sometimes it can't be resolved so quickly, but learning strategies to help, you know, manage or make that feeling not quite so intense or to help ourselves cope to get us through that stage because we can't always avoid or take away the thing that's triggered us or made us feel that you know, particular feeling. So I guess when parents try to fix issues for the children, I mean, how can that potentially result in children losing confidence? Can it or not? 100% because the child becomes reliant on an external source to take away the feelings rather than feeling that they could fix it themselves. It's called self-efficacy or the belief that you can achieve or do something. And that reduces their resilience because they don't feel confident that they manage their rely on somebody else to help fix it and they don't learn the strategies to do it themselves or they their self-esteem and confidence suffer because they feel overwhelmed by the feelings and don't know how to make it better for themselves and obviously you know that's very different from like an infant you know the level of support and, and you know guidance that a parent would need to give will be different than a two five seven ten fifteen year old um obviously that does differ i'm not saying we you know a very small child to just very different know, manage feelings <laughs> very different but it's about you know increasingly involving them in how to cope and and you know giving them more information as they sort of develop and, and supporting them to come up with their own ways of coping and managing is helpful as they're, as they're getting older. In that managing process, why is it so important not to rush and fix our kids' feelings then? Because it's not stopping feeling from happening. <laughs> um, so even if you rush it, it's that thing will have still happened to that child. So, for example, they get bullied in school and that is horrific. If you try to rush it, maybe they will feel that that's not important and maybe that's not something that they will share with you again. Oh, mum didn't understand that. She didn't see that it was really, really important for me because she said, it'll be okay, you'll be fine, when actually that was really important for me and I wasn't fine. Um, it then stops them from help seeking and reaching out and, and you know getting support from other people if they don't think that other people connect with or understand that that was a big situation for them. And it also won't take away that that actually happened to that child that they yeah. were bullied and it was really sad. That will have always happened because it's now in the past. It has happened. And I don't want to say like, oh, we do nothing with feelings. Of course we do. We, we cope and we try to manage. But it's about like not rushing or avoiding it. It's it's a bit nuanced because we, you know, we still don't necessarily want to sit in that space forever and we want to know that we can shift it and change it um, and adapt it, but we don't want to entirely avoid it. So by doing, by, by I guess, not rushing the, our children's feelings, we can, um, I guess, accidentally 
if we do sorry rush them, we can accidentally just send a message that certain feelings, um, be it sadness, fear, and anger, anger, or whatever they are, are possibly feelings that we actually don't want to experience. But from what I've been hearing, you've been saying throughout the interview so far, any any emotions, uh, emotions that we need to experience to be able to emotionally regulate, understand what they are. Um, and on that spectrum, I mean, how to get ourselves out of it, but every emotion we need to feel, we need to experience and internalise. Um, and on the flip side of that also, um, also that if, if we sort of rush kids' feelings, it may mean that um, our children feel that they aren't capable of ma- managing their own emotions as well, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that that's a very nice summary. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's it's really important for our kids to understand that there is no such, no such thing as a boy or girl feeling. So sometimes we'll tell boys and girls that particular emotions are more acceptable than others. Um, and there's, there's always the difference. So uh, the easiest example is um, the difference between anger and aggression. So sometimes people like push down anger, like it's not okay to be angry. Don't get angry about that. Anger is just an emotion. What they're talking about is aggression or how you exhibit or display or express the emotion. That's where we have the challenges. And so we need to teach our children safe, healthy, adaptive ways of expressing those different feelings because a feeling is just a feeling. It's nothing until you decide how you're going to express it. That's when it becomes tricky. (laughs) I guess when we we rush children's feelings, I guess parents can accidentally invalidate um, what the child has actually experienced. So that being said, you know, why do you think um, it's important to validate children's feelings? Um, And I I guess if ignored, do you think that um, invalidating uh, children's feelings can lead to some maybe unhealthy habits in the future? Yeah. Um, When you validate your child's experience. So say, for example, if your child's had a really bad day, like maybe somebody said something mean to them in the playground. Imagine you responded, well, maybe next time you can say blah, blah, and blah, or it couldn't have been that bad, or, you know, don't worry about it, or tune up. They kind of kind of lost with what to do next of like, oh, it felt really big and it felt really bad, and now mum or dad's not listening or they don't care. When you validate a feeling and you say something like, it sounds like that was so tough, do you need anything from me to help you manage? Or, you know, what do you think we could do to try and manage some of those feelings? Or did you want to talk about it? Or would you like a hug? Offering them the opportunity to cope, you know, to build their sense of self-esteem that, yep, I can cope with these adverse life events. But it also builds your connection with them because they're like the minute that you validate or name an emotion that you see in somebody else, it, it like creates this like spark of connection and it will build and strengthen your relationship with your child because they know that you've got them, that you understood them, that you saw them. There's something very, very, very powerful about being <laughs> seen and heard, genuinely seen and heard. But there's also, um, you know, what happens when we name an emotion is it helps the child to understand. So if you go, gee, that would have made you feel so sad or I wonder if that made you frustrated, the naming of the emotion moves into a different part of their brain and so it reduces the intensity of the feeling because you're moving them from like the emotional centre to the like language centre or closer to the logic and reasoning part of their brain. And so it reduces the intensity of that feeling and 
that immediately helps them to feel better. They then feel more in control because they know what the feeling is. And then as we spoke about, it's then easier for them to cope because they know what's happening for them. I think you hit the nail on the head. Children do experience and and feel feelings much different to, to us as adults through the level of intensity. And I'm assuming that is because they have very little to uh I guess reference that against if they've um if they're ex- experiencing grief for the first time, their level of grief is going to be so much bigger than ours because we have experienced that that emotion before and we we know what it feels and and etc. Blah, 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 blah. So is is that why children um have such big feelings and and, um, and uh, I guess what can parents do to help support their kids to manage them? Yeah, so that is absolutely part of it is that resilience of like, have I coped with this before? How would I cope with it? What are the strategies that I used last time that were effective? Like how can I sort of problem solve or whatever it might be? So that's a huge part of it. The other part is um, in our little people, the prefrontal cortex. So if you like tap your forehead, (laughs) um, that's where the prefrontal cortex is sort of located in the brain. And that part of the brain is responsible for logic and reasoning. And that part of your brain, um, so the emotion part of your brain is like the go or the accelerator. And then the prefrontal cortex is the stop, slow down, break part of your brain. And that part of the brain doesn't finish putting on, um, you know, it's like final touches until sort of late adolescence or even early 20s in some children. So what's happening is everything's sort of being processed through this big like emotional part of the brain. And then the logical part that helps them kind of cope or manage isn't always the first part that kicks in. So they definitely need some support to learn practical strategies um, because they might not be able to do it themselves independently until they're, you know, quite a bit older. They need us to really sort of teach them, well, how do you make that connection between the feeling and then how do you bring in some coping because they just their brain just isn't wired to do that just yet. Um, it develops over time and then they get better at it. And that's why as adults, you know, we can go, oh, logically, that wasn't that scary or, you know, um, what's something that I can do to sort of help myself get through that. Um, Ways that parents can then help their kids to um, cope with their emotions or to be able to manage their emotions. So one is giving them the words. If they don't have the words, they can't describe it. Um, And it's so simple and you feel a little bit awkward when you first start doing it, but like narrating your kids' feelings as you see them or even narrating your own feelings because what you're just trying to do is give them a frame of reference. Like that internal experience is matched with that emotion and you do it often enough and then they go, aha, that's a sad feeling. Now I know what that is. Oh, that's an angry feeling. Now I know what that is. And so it's things just like, oh, gee, it looks like you're really frustrated right now or oh, I can see that when your brother didn't share that toy, that made you really sad. Is that right? Or um, I'm feeling a little bit frustrated right now. I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths and I'll get back to you in just a second. You know, even things like that, just adding in like words is very, very important. You then also have um, modelling coping. So how, you know, how do you cope and helping them to, you know, understand how to manage. So, you know, what can you do with angry feelings? It tends to be like cortisol and adrenaline and it's like a physical kind of emotion. So can we do some jumping jacks? Can we get some play on? Can we like squeeze it? Get system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how do you do that in a healthy way that doesn't involve like kicking, shouting, <laughs> screaming? Punching. Screaming. But yeah, exactly. We've still got that like Breaking need something. to get some 
Correct. Yeah. So instead of needing to like get it out, like how can we do that in a healthy and adaptive way? Um, if someone's feeling sad, you know, can you go and snuggle your teddy? Can you get some connection from somebody else and have a hug? Um, you know, can we um, play a favorite game or, you know, play a puzzle and, you know, read together or something that won't take away the sad feelings, but gives them a something else. Um, so helping them to kind of match the feeling with then different types of coping um just a few ways that we might sort of get them thinking about coping so as a flow on to that then um you know why do you think emotional regulation is so important for as a skill for children to adapt adapt to and or learn of course yeah emotional regulation is important because if we don't regulate our emotions they kind of like spray out everywhere and (laughs) um, it can affect their friendships because if your child can't remain calm or they can't you know regulate feelings of anger or sadness it can affect the people around them and that's not said to be in a blaming or judgmental thing but you know if they're you know constantly not able to share or not able to consider the needs of others they're not going to have as fulfilling, you know, relationships and friendships. Um, if they can't regulate themselves, it would be very hard for them to, you know, learn and sit in class and, you know, God, I'm feeling really irritated right now. And instead of acting on that emotion, like how can they keep themselves calm or keep themselves focused, um, stop themselves from responding in maybe healthy or maladaptive ways that get sent them out, get them sent out of the classroom, like kicking, shouting or flipping desks or whatever it might be. Um, and so that emotional regulation will also then feed into their confidence and will help them manage life. You know, we all have to regulate all of our different emotions to be able to cope with, you know, going to work and, you know, having friends and maintaining relationships, you know, from childhood right through to adolescence and then on to adulthood as well. It's been a fascinating chat, Rachel. I've I've learned heaps from you today. Um, I guess if you were to summarize, I guess key messages for anyone watching and listening today, what are the key messages that I w- that you would like any parent to walk away and to remember? Try not to rush your child's feelings. Um, it is just a feeling. Feelings are okay. They're important. Um, let your child surf the wave of emotion so that they don't become fearful of the emotion um, and help them learn coping strategies that are going to be effective for them. Well, there's definitely some um, of those points um, and more things that parents can learn from um, the article, which, of course, you've written. We'll have the links in the show notes. Um, You've got other articles on our website um, as well. And, of course, have all the links to to your to your personal uh, to your business page. But if parents have got any other questions and or and or want to reach out to you in any other capacity, whereabouts can they find you? Um, so my website, so towardwellbeing.com, um, and I'm probably the most active on Instagram, and I share a lot of uh, free resources and infographics with parents about different. Um, childhood dilemmas or parenting dilemmas, child development topics. And it's really like bite-sized, easy to understand bits of information with lots of good practical takeaways. And my Instagram handle is at Toward Wellbeing. Awesome. We'll have all of that in the show notes, Rachel. Thank you so much for your time today. And I can't wait to chat to you again in the not too distant future. Until then, take care, stay safe. See ya.
I'm Rachel Monteleone, and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.